0: Oh, yeah. Look at that. Here we are. What is going on, people out there in the world of stuff? Things are happening. Things are happening.
1: Howdy, fellas.
0: Yes. What's going on? Pepper Stewart here, Pepper Stewart Show. Another episode for you guys. I don't know why. Why you like it, but you do. It's kind of like, uh, I may not say that word, but anyway, about like that. People <laughs> like it, but they don't. I don't like the result. I don't know. That's what's going on. Let me flip the script here, turn it around. That's what she said. All right, look at there, Richard Stevens, right there.
1: How y'all doing tonight, folks? Hey, I just got to put a word out to Master Hatters. Hey, I go through straw hats like a fat girl goes through panties at uh Magic Mike movie. Oh. I'm telling you right now, these are the greatest hats. That cool lock technology does wonders. This is almost August. No sweat rings on this hat. These are hats for real working cowboys, made in America, made in Texas, master hatters. Go out and get one. You won't have to buy two, three, four summer.
0: That's right. They're good hats. Great hats. Great hats. I thought you were going to say Dr. Pepper Cake, but you went the other direction.
1: Okay. <laughs> I went for the magic mic throw.
0: We all know that story. <laughs> Once again, Texas not here. Texas back at the house. Wife's got him on lockdown. I thought it was husband. Well, that was before. Oh, okay. This is, this, this marriage here is still a woman, so she's got him on lo- lockdown at the house, so he that's where he is. He's doing his uh duties as a husband. As a house husband, by the way.
1: Cooking, cleaning, working.
0: That's what he does. He's an expert at that too. So
1: Well Peg Bundy's eating uh
0: <laughs>
1: bonbons.
0: I'm gonna have to ask him about that. I'm gonna have to ask him. He does he does tell us a lot of stuff though. He does tell us a lot of stuff. I, I hope she doesn't watch I don't think she watches the show. I hope she don't because she didn't be really upset at all the stories that her uh new husband tells everyone. So
1: And they're great great stories.
0: Oh. <laughs> d- yeah. You know, there that, that reminds me back to uh that reminds me back to uh screen caption or, or screen grab gate of two thousand seventeen. <laughs> we had the big old with all the with all the screenshot sent around to everyone so <laughs> it reminds me of that Anyway, we got a good we got a good show lineup for you guys richard's here you gonna talk about stuff i'm gonna talk about stuff we're gonna we don't have any guests lined up for you guys so if you were looking for guests you can, you can go ahead and like whoop, okay turn it off uh, oh you don't want
1: to turn it off this is going to be better than any guests that could be in studio or on the phone lines
0: or you just waste an hour of your time but you won't know until the end so you gotta stay tuned we got stories. We got stories. We got goats. We got puppies. Who doesn't like goats and puppies? We got cows.
1: Irish cowboys.
0: Irish. Speaking of Irish, um,
1: and shocking news of where the first stockyards were.
0: What in the world? All right, here's what's going on. I will be. Those of you who don't follow enough of our stuff on the media that's social. I'm traveling across the pond again. Those of you that've been watching the show for years know that every couple of years, I disappear, cross the pond into a foreign land, and spend time with the foreign people just to see what's going on. And that's what's going to happen here in about a month. I'll be headed over there to uh, not the same destination, but close, going to Ireland this time. And so since I'm going over there and checking things out, I thought I'd do some research on Ireland and what's going on because I know they got, you know, there's, there's a lot of horse events that go on in Ireland. A lot of stuff happens there that we see on the internet. You know, you got the sport horse stuff going on. Uh, you got some nice looking Irish horses if you watch any of that, but in my research, cause I got to research before I go, I always got to research. I want to know what's going on. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to find a place, but I would like to. So if you're in Ireland watching right now, before we get there, um, I've seen the videos where they take the horses and just go right out on the, they go ride out on the on the ocean, mm-hmm. and you get on the little horses. I think they're Shetlands. I don't know. I'll, I guess I'll find out when I get there.
1: I think Shetlands are Scottish breed.
0: You just get on and you just run across the water and just run. And I thought that that might not be bad because they're not going to have a saddle like a ride. <laughs> so if I fall off, you know, I'll splash. I'm going to splash in the water. So that can't be that can't be that bad, unless you land on a jellyfish.
1: Then it can sting.
0: <laughs> yeah, then that's not a great idea.
1: Where, where are your Wranglers?
0: Uh Aeryots. Ariats. I love my Ariats. Although I am wearing my Wranglers today, but if you've been on Ariats website and you see me on there, I am wearing my Aeryots. Um, hey, Ariats are good jeans. I like you know, them. What I like about the Ariat, you know, they're airy. Well, no, they 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 fit Wranglers. Wranglers fit tight. If you want mm-hmm. them to fit tight, you wear a Wrangler that fits tight. Um, of course, they got the loose Wranglers now, but the Ariat jeans, I like to ride in them because you got you got room to ride. I guess that's what they, that should be their new hashtag: Ariat Jeans, Room to Ride. Because you need you need room for stuff to ride, you know. But anyway, let's go to Ireland. You got a story in Ireland. We you know we did some research in Ireland, find out stuff, and we found a story that is going to blow your mind, especially when you're looking over here. You see the Texas logo on the show every episode. You see the Texas logo. You think Texas Cowboys, this is what happens, where it happens. But we're going to, much much like the episodes of Ancient Aliens, we're going to make your mind wander here just a little bit. So with that, Richard's got a great story for you.
1: We're going to make you think right here. Now, according to this article, and I'm not saying it's gospel, I'm not saying it's, fabricated or fake news but ask any dude ranch greenhorn who's seldom forked a saddle where the american cattle drive originated and they will slyly mumble something about texas longhorns and dodge city now you ask that grizzly veteran of the plains when and who held the first cattle drive he'll agree with the dude sitting citing chapter and verse of this widely known but never disputed american myth They would both be wrong, according to this article. Cowboys came from Ireland. What? That's what they're saying. And they're saying the real story of America's first cattle drive would shock many an old cowboy and bring self-justification, sly grin, to any eastern tenderfoot. It is one of the lost secrets of the cattle drive story, and it could not have occurred in a more unlikely place. Well, that's where you're wrong. As unlikely as it seems, Boston was America's first cattle drive, according to this article. Again, according to this article. What? Cowhands were pushing cattle herds down her main streets more than 200 years before anyone in New England ever heard of Texas. The island of Caribbean is in the early 1600s where pirates infested. These freebooters went by the name of buccaneers, the French term. Smokehouse is Bucan. What are you talking about? I know it's French. I hope I pronounced it right. The Buccaneers were groups of vagrants and renegade galley slaves who butchered wild cattle and smoked cured beef into long strips called Cherokee or Jerky by the English ship captains who purchased it. Weird.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, you know, it, it. it's kind of unexpected. There's more more to this story. I'm skipping some of the little bluer, uh, non-PG-13 comments in All here. Right. Uh, in 1647, the number of horses in Massachusetts had increased so quickly that general court passed a branding law. All animals were doubly branded, first with a symbol of the township in which it was located, and secondly with the registered brand of its owners. Now, America's first cattle roundup, during the fall of 1654, the cattle were brought in, branded, and then herded into newly built corrals. Hmm. On a crisp spring morning in 1655, a man by the name of John Pineschon looked at the crew of mounted men waiting before him. There were no artists present to record the rig these cowboys wore, like the Texans who rode a cow trail hundreds of years later. They must have dressed functionally in durable work clothes, jackets and vests stitched from moose hide or deerskin were common Puritan garments. Homespun shirts, buckskin breeches, fur, I said breeches, <laughs> <laughs> breeches, fur, <laughs> fur caps, and uh, leather boots, shiny with bear grease, would have graced many a young rider. During the three-week trip ahead of them, heavily dark wool capes would keep them warm during the day and serve as blankets at night. On the other thing they shared with cowboys yet to be born, though they came from diverse backgrounds in different countries, though some were slaves, some indentured servants, some free men, they all shared a common love of adventure and horses. These were America's first cowboys about to ride into history, according to this article. Now, many of the (laughs) daily events encountered by America's First Cowboys may have looked away in a 300-year-old document, a series of records kept by Pachon, in a system of shorthand he invented has never been deciphered, according to this article. So it may or may not be true. We don't know. We don't know. But by 1750, cattle drives of more than 2,000 horses and cattle guarded by Whip cracking cowboys were common sight along the cart roads connecting Baltimore, New York, Philadelphia, and Boston. These dr- drives created the first through roads linking northern and southern colonies. Finally, by the time of the revo- uh, re- Revolutionary War in 1776, the term cowboy was commonly used from Maine to Georgia to describe illiterate roughnecks herding cattle in the backcountry. <laughs> that is
2: ridiculous.
1: It grew to have such a derogatory reputation that cattle herdsmen in the East adopted the English term "drover" instead. <coughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be a Grover. That wouldn't be a cowboy. That'd be a Grover.
1: Yeah, they're drovers. The word cowboy would not be popular for 100 more years out in some obscure little place called Texas. I
2: apologize for yelling at you.
1: <laughs> that's something, Whoa. though. That That's that, something. That is. It, and I love history. I, it was one of my minors in college. I, I've never heard this story. I've studied a lot of history.
0: And, and the funny thing is that story has popped up more than once in more places. And I found that in more places. Because what I've done is like everybody else went on Ancestry and done the DNA thing, which I also found out that the stories I've heard for years about being a Choctaw Indian are null and void because there's <laughs> no Native American anywhere. Everything is European. Uh, British, Everything's over there. It's like 65%, you know, way over there. And what I found out was if I go back seven generations, if I go back, from, for me, seven, I think six or seven years I go back, it puts me smack dab in England, mm-hmm. in Yorkshire. Where we were at the last tw- two times we went over there to England, there's a lot of places. If I'd have known this ahead of time, we could have visited some old family stuff or where people were at find some old because we saw a lot of old graves. There's a lot of old graves over there we went to. So what I found out was five, six generations ago, they were in England. Mm -hmm. And you go back two or three more a generation or two, you go to Scotland. And then you can go to Ireland. So you go over there. And so what I also found out was when all those people migrated to what's now called America, they all landed on the coast side right there. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense because if you if you came across if you look at, at the map and you see where, where England's at right now and you see where the United States are, if you leave England trying to go straight across, by the time you get over here, you're gonna hit South Carolina.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: done worked your way down. So that's where they landed at was down a little bit south. But it makes sense for those guys to when they came to America, if you left over there, you want you try to shoot straight across. If you made it good you landed up in that area. So it makes sense that that's where you landed. You went inland a little bit. You found some grass. You brought your cows and you set up camp right there. So it makes sense because you would not have you would have landed way down if you landed way down here in Texas. You're not a good uh, ship captain.
1: Yeah, you're bad seaman.
0: <laughs> yeah, your seaman is bad. Tex knows about that. But yeah, you don't you don't want to do that. You want to go straight across. So that you know it's it's an interesting story. And, you know, the first time I went to the U.K., I didn't wear my hat. I looked really awkward. If, you, if you've looked on our <laughs> Internet site at the 2014 trip to England where I didn't have a hat, it looked really weird. So we went back in 2016. I did wear my hat, which was all right. We had a lot of great conversations with people. This time to Ireland, I will be wearing the hat, and I will be looking to find out about this l- cowboy legend from Ireland.
1: Well, I mean – if you look back in history, and McSween, Irish versus English cattleman there in Arizona that gave us Billy the
0: Kid. So I want to find that out. Also, while I'm in England, I'm going to Paris, Texas. I have found out that in Kilkenny, the town of Kilkenny, because that's where we're going to be. We're going to be at Dublin in a few days. We'll be in Kilkenny in a few days. We're just traveling around the country. There is a restaurant in Kilkenny, Ireland called Paris, Texas. And what happened, the story on this is the guy that owns this restaurant watched the movie back in the 80s, which I've got to find this movie. If anybody knows where to find this movie, send it to me. I want to watch it. There's a movie called Paris, Texas from the 80s. Yeah, there is. Okay, the guy watched this movie and created his restaurant over there in Kilkenny, Ireland based on Paris, Texas. He liked Paris, Texas so much that they had a Texas chef come over and they've got a Texas chef preparing all their meals to authenticate. They want Paris, Texas authenticated meals.
1: So real chicken fried steak, real. Well, I don't know. Collard greens. I'm gonna
0: find out. And so I'll be in Kilkenny for I think I'm spending about three, or four days in Kilkenny. So there's a couple of other old Irish pubs and things that we're gonna we're gonna hit, but Paris, Texas is on the list to hit, and we're gonna spend a few we're gonna spend a few meals there. So I'll find out. Hey,
1: just be glad he wasn't a fan of the Beverly Hillbillies because you beaten <laughs> gopher. <laughs> yeah. Deep fried gopher and gopher gravy. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no Granny Beaver meals for me. <laughs> Not doing that. Oh, speaking of meat, we're gonna tell you about some meat Bread cattle. We got bread cattle to work. Angus, the uh, American Angus Association, sends, uh, sends us another great uh, little excerpt for you guys. About beef cattle And with that we're going to throw it to them And then when we come back We've got a few more stories uh, Tuff Hederman, those y'all saw Tough in here Before He sent me, if you don't know about this Movie going on We've got a great little, little uh, Excerpt we're going to throw out for you About this movie they're working on Which is I think it's going to be a really neat deal And uh, so anyway Plus stories, more stories Than you can count with one hand It's It's a seed stock producer's producer's job to sort through all the data
1: and create cattle cattle that work for his customers. For Brian McCullough, that begins by knowing his customers and their challenges.
2: Regarding the production environment in Wisconsin, um, we get 34 inches of rain a year, and uh, there's 40 inches of snow throughout the year, and so from the 1st of November until the 15th of May, that's kind of the time where we need to feed stored feed. So uh, I'd I'd say in terms of differentiating the environment in Wisconsin, that's one of our factors. Most of McCullough's bull buyers have other farming enterprises or off-the-farm jobs in addition to their herds. I find more and more we have to make these cattle as maintenance-free as we can. And so what we're trying to focus on is uh, creating Angus cattle that can cap without assistance and game efficiently, and then at the end of the line, put a product on the table that meets the specs of certified Angus beef.
0: That doesn't mean he breeds in calving ease at the expense of beef quality traits, or vice versa. Here's the truth of the matter.
2: All these traits are heritable, okay? And which means that if we put pressure on them, and we're diligent about putting pressure on the various traits, we can affect those traits. So... For instance, if we're concerned that marbling, if we pursue marbling and ribeye and will sacrifice other traits, the only reason we have to sacrifice is we haven't stayed focused on them.
1: All 385 of his cows are in the top 20% of the breed for weaning weight, yearling weight, weaning value, and beef value.
2: I really have to say the tools that we're provided with by the association today allow me to put together a set of breeding objectives that it, I can keep the cow herd moderate, I can keep the cow herd easy fleshing, and I can still be in the top 25% of the breed for yearling performance, which is rate of gain, as well as marbling and ribeye. So the only challenge is back on we, as producers, to use the tools appropriately.
0: McCullough says, the burden of follow-up is also on the breeders, noting check-in calls with customers throughout the year. I'm Bob Cervera. And that right there is your, uh, what, your Angus report. It's It's a... a Yep. Don't tell me again, Bob. You already told me once. Bob likes
1: to talk. What's that? I said Bob likes to
0: talk. He does. A lot of people like to talk. They like to talk a lot. I don't know. Somebody, oh, talk a lot. (laughs) I had, I got a funny story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out a story for you guys that is funny but not funny. All right. The first episode we ever did on TV, back in Deep Ellum, way back, I think it was 2012, 2013. The first one we ever did. We had, I don't want I don't want to out the guy because he's still mad at me. I don't know <laughs> why he's still mad at me. The guy's still mad at me. I'll tell you who it is later. He's a firefighter, also a bucking bull guy. I do, matter of fact, I do have his his shirt. He did send me a shirt and a hat. The shirt, the hat got wore out, but I still wear the shirt from time to time. I actually got a picture of myself in that shirt on the internet somewhere. I don't want to tell you what I was doing in that shirt because then you'll figure it out. But anyway, we're talking about bulls because he's. I don't want to get too detailed on figuring figure it out or it. But anyway, uh, bull. We're talking about bucking bulls and bucking stuff, and all that. Stuff. Well, anyway. It was early on. First, it was I think it was the first episode we ever did. So he's talking about his his stuff, and he's talking, and he's talking, and he's talking, and he's ta- and He's he's telling. I mean, it's, it's great information. The information is great. It's really good, right? So I'm just letting him talk. And so he gets done, and we end the interview, and we're 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 done. And I'm just like, and I just, I'm just sitting here. I was like, man, he talks a lot. Well, the phone wasn't dead. Oh, no. So, a few minutes later, I get a message, a text. It's like, oh, he talks a lot. Ha ha. I was like, oh, well, yeah, but it was great information. Well, anyway, apparently that set him off. Oh, He's been mad at me ever since. So,
1: I don't know. He never heard the George
0: Strait song? I guess not, but it's.
1: He didn't know how to put out old
0: flames? (laughs) I I don't know, but the information was great. But, yeah, that's who it was. So, anyway, it's, I mean, it, it was like, wow. I, did, I didn't think that upset you, but it did. All right, what else we got going on today?
1: Pepper apologizes, by the way.
0: I've done that a time or two, but he still hates me. And it wasn't like I was being upset. Uh, all right, we did the Ireland Cowboys. Now we're going to do Kansas Kansas City. Speaking of Kansas City, not Dodge City. Um,
1: oh, Kansas City.
0: Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come. All right. Kansas test cattle traceability. We, we've talked about cattle traceability a lot on here. Matter of fact, 7SC Ranch, if you want to buy some great Angus cattle from me, 7SC Ranch, look it up on Facebook. It's on there. We got a great calf crop this year. We're expecting a great calf crop, calf crop next year. Um, the folks have enjoyed their beef. They really like it. It's nice and tender. Cooks good. So. If you're interested, find us there. Anyway, the reason why I'm bringing that up is um, we have recently become, over the past year or so, uh, beef quality assurance certified. It's a BQA certification, which we've talked about on the show a couple of times, where uh, I believe it's Tyson's food. Tyson food or one of the food big food deals that, that serves Wendy's is, by 2019, they're only going to buy from BAQ certified producers, mm-hmm. and they're only going to have their um, – products hauled in by BQA-certified haulers, which I haven't done the hauler BAQ certification yet, but as far as the cow-calf operation, we are BQA-certified. So anyway, that falls along with this, what's going on in Kansas. They're going to test a cattle traceability system because we all know that over the last couple of years, uh, especially talking about China, going on over there? Uh, everybody wants to know where their where the beef comes from. So, traceability has been a hot topic for a while. So, the coalition of, a coalition of industry and government in Kansas kicked off a pilot program for a mandatory disease traceability program for cattle. Um, it's called Cattle Trace. I can hear that. I'm going to kill your volume. Um, the pilot aims at aimed in 2018 and 2019 to involve about 55,000 cattle from farm to feedlot through the packers and to use a mock disease event just to test the logistics of the system. Uh, Many of the projects in the past have tested the equipment that require a traceability program. Um, There's three major packers now involved in the process of setting up and participating with 10 to 15 feed yards. And four or five cell barns, followed by enough farm and ranch level B producers to obtain their goal of 55,000 head of cattle. Uh, cattle Trace will use ultra-high frequency technology to collect what's called the minimal data necessary. Uh, let's see here. Including individual animal identification numbers, GPS locations, date and time stamps in order to track the animal in the event of a disease outbreak. Uh, tag readers will be at livestock markets, feed yards, and beef processors. The movement data collection will begin in the fall of 2018, and the project will continue for about two years, just in the, in the test phase, just to see what it does. Uh, this project is to begin in the earnest fall, and they're going to collect their first test by next spring. Uh, the catalyst in this project is to change policy from to support mandatory traceability instead of the voluntary traceability, which that's the whole deal. If it's mandatory, everybody's got to do it. If it's voluntary, you only got half of your guys doing it. And that's not what they want to do. You want to have uniformity in your your traceable cattle.
1: You have to. And you look at all the cases of food poisoning that are going around and all the tainted foods from whether it's spinach to corn to pork to to, whatever. You
0: you want to know where it came from.
1: you know, there's a bad outbreak going on with turkey right now. I don't know if you've heard about it or not, Pepper.
0: Uh, I only eat turkey on Thanksgiving, so <laughs> I don't know about well, that. Well,
1: like, tur- you know, you get the processed, it's with a processed turkey yeah. that, you know, for turkey sandwiches, stuff like that. Apparently, someone didn't cook the turkey properly, and there's a bad salmonella outbreak going with on with know, a bunch of it.
0: You got to know how to cook your poultry. Yeah. But, all right, so another factor in this is the NCBA. All right, the NCBA. In accordance with this beef industry's long-range plan, they commissioned the release in January twenty eighteen as a feasible study about things considered consider in the development of a national ID and traceability system. That just reminds me. Everybody always asks about the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. We don't have teleprompters. No. We don't know what these stories are until we read <laughs> them. We read them right there. So, yeah.
1: A lot of show prep, guys. A lot of show prep.
0: Uh, listen <laughs> but yeah, I just thought about that because I, I was watching some other day and I was I saw them staring at the teleprompter through their eyes. Yeah, doing that I'm like no, we don't we don't do that. Somebody asked me that one time. Um, the only strike against this traceability, which I think is stupid, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The strike, the main strike. Okay, everybody wants to trace trace their cattle. That everybody's uh, great on. We need to trace our cows. We need to know where they're going, where they're coming, all that stuff. Where it's going, where it's been. Everybody agrees on that. But the strike against it has been the worry of such information that will be readily available to any level of government. <laughs> what? Well,
1: your beef gets inspected already by the USDA. Right. Um, now you can trace it from the USDA, can trace it all the way back to producer.
0: And that's what they want to do. And so what they're saying is this cattle trace, what they're calling this cattle trace, the cattle trace group is is designing a system that is to be privately held and only available to the government in the event of a disease outbreak. And
1: it's good, you know, and it's also extra precaution in this era and time of terrorism, both domestic and foreign, and all the idiots out there that want to try to do damage and terror and horror to people. You know, the greatest, uh, I I had this in a forensic uh, class in college, and the professor said the easiest way to hurt Americans is hurt the food supply. Well yeah. You and, really want to destroy America, kick the food supply.
0: Well yeah, because that, everybody's wor- you know, everybody's worried about are they going to blow up this or blow up that? No. What it's, it's going to be it's going to be subtle. It's going to be something like that.
1: Or
0: uh-huh. it's going it's going to get a lot of people at one time and it's not going to, you know, blowing up you will blow up a building, you don't get that many. Mm-mm. You get a few hundred people. But if you really want, like you said, if you really want to do something, you got to get, you got to get in the source,
2: mm-hmm.
0: get in the food, and everybody's worried about. Well, I don't want the government. Just like every year, every year we have the government census. We have the uh, USDA census that comes mm-hmm. out. You need to fill out. They want to know how many cows you're running and what you're doing. All, this. And all these old, all these old time farmers are. Like, I don't want the government to know what I'm doing. It's none of their business. Blah blah blah. Well, no. They do need to have an idea. They need to know how many cattle are in the country because mm-hmm. what they, what these old folks don't understand in today's new times is the amount of cattle you have in your in your area also affects the amount of government assistance that you get. So you don't want to report how many cows you got, but when the drought hits or something like that mm-hmm. hits and you go in there telling people, well, I got this many cows in my drought, you know, whatever, they're like, well, you know you didn't report. So mm-hmm. how, how do we know? You didn't you didn't send your you didn't send your report in because you said you didn't want the, the government know what you're doing, but now you're in here expecting me to give you a check. Right. So it it, it goes both ways. So just just fill the thing out, and send it in because if if you're worried about the government knowing how many cows you got, I hate to tell you, they already know. Mhm. That satellite up there zoomed well, in, they know what's going on. You're well, not every, hiding from anybody.
1: Well, every time you go make a purchase cell warrant, it's traced back. Yeah. You know, you have a bill of sale. You have a record. You bought 100 head at Emory Livestock Auction. They know you bought 100 head because they're government agencies that follow and track that.
0: Yeah, so they, they, know, they know what's going on. What else we know what's going on is this right here. We got meal kits. Let me tell you about this right quick. Mm-hmm. Meal kits. Meal kits? Beef meal kits are rolling out a nationwide retailers. Cooking a delicious, healthy beef meal from scratch has never been easier with the launch of fresh beef meal kits in retail grocery stores across the country. American Food Group, in collaboration with Beef, it's what's for dinner. The Steak Bowl meal kits rolled out in select stores on February and has expanded to more than 1,500 stores, including one of the top five retailers this year. The only thing is they don't tell me who it is, so you just got to guess. These kits... Com- these kits create the complete beef meal featuring global globally global globally that goes back to that proofreading mm-hmm. we, we globally don't do, we don't do that. Uh, globally inspired flavors that cons- that consumers crave uh, eat them as is or add your own favorite vegetables to make it your own. They can be found in the fresh meat department and feature the USDA choice beef package raw with all the ingredients needed to make several mi- options. You can do Korean-style bungholio beef bowls. You can do steak burrito bowls, steak and shakazulu bowls, steak and mash bowls, whatever. I don't know what those words are. <laughs> I should make them up as I go because I don't know what they're talking about. Um, they're really excited to see these beef meal kits come, come to fruition. To fruition. Uh, you know, beef, it's what's for dinner. If you go on PepperShirt.com and look at the articles that we put out, and news press releases, news releases, press releases. You'll find out there's a beef. It's what's for dinner, and hey, you want to read that. Uh, these are priced between twelve fifty and 50 and Gentlemen, nine. Don't don't even don't don't play with me. Just put eighteen dollars. That one penny is <laughs> not gonna make a difference. Just put eighteen bucks. All right. So they're they're about twelve fifty and and eighteen dollars each. Beef meal kit feeds four to six people. All right. Four to six people for twenty bucks. You can't go out to eat Mm-mm. and get a meal for yourself for under twenty bucks. No. So if you can feed four to six people for eighteen dollars, that's better a good jump, deal. You better jump on this. Um, so they're going to offer four to six people today's busy family because nobody's got time to cook. As Tex, unless he's cooking, a hot meal in under thirty minutes in only one pan. That's um, a deal. Now they provide ten essential. Nutrients, including zinc, iron, protein, B vitamins, they're all healthy additions to any dinner table. This kit gives the retail consumer the opportunity to experience a meal kit or new flavor without a subscription. So it's not like those deals you go pay a monthly subscription and they just send you a random uh, box of stuff to cook at home. You can go to the store and buy this. Uh let's see what's going on. Along with this, the twenty eighteen power of meat study finds that shoppers continue to look forward. The ways to include convenience, solution, in their mill lineups, the market side meal kits are a perfect solution to any shopper looking for fresh beef options in a quick and convenient package. That right there, folks, is where it's at. I I, I gotta go look. Now i it's got me it's got me curious because I don't I don't go to the beef all. At the grocery store because we pack our own beef, mm-hmm. so we've got our own meat. So I don't need to go look for any meat to buy, but I'm gonna have to go look and see about these kits when I next time I go. I'm just gonna look because that's what I, that's what I do from time to time. Just like our, uh, you know, we process our own, own beef, and every now and again I'll go to the grocery store. Like we sold some, we sold some cattle to some folks, and had their and they had them processed and everything. And like I explained to them. You know, what you're paying for your beef, you you can, you're buying a calf from us, you're having it processed. So you come out about I think they came out like three three dollars. I think it was like three yeah. something a pound, maybe four dollars three to three to three fifty a pound for a whole calf. You go to the grocery store right now and you go try to buy one pound of hamburger mm-hmm. meat, it's five, six dollars.
1: Oh yeah. And you're getting better raised, better quality beef when you go to right. your local producer or you produce your own.
0: And that's and that's you know, and some of the new folks that buy beef that buy, you know, calves from us and process our own and they're like, It is so tender. It's so it's so I said, Well yeah, because it's you know, you're getting it straight. It's going mm-hmm. straight from the straight from the farm, straight to the process, straight to your plate. Because I know it I know it sounds bad, I don't want to upset folks, but when meat goes to a grocery store they've got to put preservatives on it Mm -hmm. because they've got to make the meat last Last longer a week or two to lay out there in the, in 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 the the cooler. Yeah. So yes, when you go to the market and you go to your grocery store and you go buy meat, it's got a preservative on it. That's why when you walk down to the section that says, uh, price for, for reduced, reduced for quick sale, Mm -hmm. that's why you got different colors because of the preservatives they put on it. But if you, if you go out and purchase, uh, a calf from a producer, you don't have to buy it from me, you can buy it from a producer in your area. The amount of meat per dollar and the quality blows it out of the water.
1: And sometimes you can get a little cheaper, say so you don't need a full steer, do a half and, and cut a deal with the butcher for yeah. half of and it. They'll and
0: they'll do that. They'll work with you. The the butcher, blue bonnet meat processing out in Trenton, Texas, that we use for all ours, They'll work with it. You can mm-hmm. you can do a half. You can they'll you know, split a half with you. Do a whole, and also if you don't want to if you don't want to purchase a whole calf, you can go out there and buy whatever. They've mm-hmm. got a lot of stuff for sale. They got great sausages. They make cheeses. Oh, yeah. They make a lot of stuff. So you can go out there and buy whatever you want. But that's that's just my three cents. And I know it's not worth much, but it's out there. So I thought I'd, I thought I'd tell you about it.
1: It is, you know, and, and you know you. You go out and go to your local butcher shop. You're getting fresh meat. Yeah, you know whether it's beef, pork, chicken, it it's all fresh, and it's usually a little bit cheaper than the
0: grocery store. It is, and it's it's healthier for you, mm-hmm. especially if you're uh, if your beef has a cattle guard nearby. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Know what you, I don't know what you got about that. But.
1: Well, apparently. A cow rescued after getting his leg stuck in the cattle guard it just happened recently. And it was up in Colorado. So these firefighters... And that, call, cow,
0: that cow might have, been, might have ran into the wrong weed patch.
1: Or might have been escaping all the wildfires they were having up there. You never, never know. But here you go. <clears throat> firefighters in Colorado came to the rescue of a cow that ended up with its leg stuck in a cattle guard near a highway. The Greeley Fire Department said crews responded to a call for assistance from Weld County Sheriff's Office Animal Control Officer on Wednesday when the cow became stuck in the cattle guard near Weld County Parkway in U.S. 34. Firefighters, animal control officers, deputies, and oil field staff worked together to lift the cow and free it from the metal guard. The cow did not have any broken legs and will make full recovery, the Sheriff's Office did say in a Facebook post. (laughs) <laughs>
0: when you when you look at this look at this picture and you look at this cow it, it, it's funny now because the cows't hurt but here's what here's what I've got to say about this if you look at this cattle guard you see all that grass growing up in the cattle guard mm-hmm. if you have a cattle guard the whole point of having a cattle guard is to make it look like it's a deep hole if you've got grass growing up in your cattle guard because you don't clean it out like you're supposed to this is what happens to you
1: you you're gonna have problems you oh,
0: but what's even funnier is you look at this, this little heifer over here in the corner staring, just going, what? What happened to you? Didn't they teach you that in cap school?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, if you've ever had to cut an animal out of that or any kind of bad situation, it is a horrible thing to try to do.
0: And more and more <clears> likely, <throat> likely what happened, I don't know if it went into, into detail in the story, but more likely somebody come out there with a, a cutting torch and just cut those two pops off. Mm-hmm. And got the cow out, but, you know, as a, we always had cattle guards all the time. We never had, I don't think I've ever had an issue with a cow getting stuck in a cattle guard. Never. I've seen it
1: one time.
0: I mean, I've seen other people have problems. Yeah. But I've never had a problem where I had to go, but of course, you know, like I say, if you keep them cleaned out and make them look like they're supposed to, because mm-hmm. the, way, the way they're designed, and the way they're cleaned out on the bottom, which from your cattle guard to the bottom, you've got a couple of feet. You should mm-hmm. have about two foot in there. And the whole design is when a cow walks up to that, they see those those splits, you know, those gaps when the pipes. And when they look down, it looks like it's about 20 foot deep. So, they're like, you know what? I'm not falling in the hole. I'm going to turn and go back where I'm supposed to. And that's what happened. But another thing is on, your, on the cattle guards that we had, you always had a pipe mm-hmm. that went across. You had a gate it would go across and shut to keep any unruly livestock from contemplating mm-hmm. making the great escape.
1: Yeah, I, I've had to help cut one out, and it was a nightmare. And this looked like it might be even worse because on one side, you might not have been able to get that cutting torch in there yeah. <laughs> without cooking a leg. Plus, it was a Holstein, so enough said.
0: They <laughs> need some milk. Yep. They just want milk. That's all they want what they also wanted, I think this is a great story right here. This comes in. This is a local story. We don't get many local stories from the DFW. We don't get a lot of those, a lot of good stuff. You know what? They send us a lot of stories from around the globe, like we bring you guys all the time. This one right here, local to us in DFW. I think it's a great story. It's it's it, I think it's good stuff. But anyway, what's going on is... There's a lady here in North Texas. And the way they write it in the story, of course the story comes from way up yonder, a Texas woman shared a photo of her puppy beating the summer heat by dragging his favorite sprinkler inside to spray water around the living room. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Kara posted this photo, to, her picture to Facebook showing her five-month-old border collie Baloo playing in the water. Sprayed by the sprinkler after dragging it through his doggy door into the living room of her Lake Dallas home. Um, so, you know, she, she she saw she saw humor in it. You know, it's was, it was a little like so it had to show you gotta see humor in it. So she says good thing I was wearing waterproof mascara. <laughs> <laughs> so she snapped the photo, and that's the thing. You know, to, in today's time when something like this is going on, you're like, you know what? I can't holler at the dog until I get a picture. Because if I don't get a picture of this...
1: No one's going to believe it.
0: Nobody's going to believe me. If
1: it's not on Facebook, it yeah. didn't happen.
0: If I didn't shoot a picture of this, nobody's going to believe me. Plus, the picture's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, it, it's, it's great. <laughs> so she took, she took a picture. She's like, I don't know what I'm, I'm going to do. So she, you know, she was in a panic. She's like, I don't know. My lamp's getting soaked. <laughs> my wall's getting soaked. This dog's having a great time. Um, but she says that the sprinkler is Baloo's favorite activity. But in the future, she does plan to keep a close eye.
1: See, I don't ever have to worry about that problem. My dog see a water hose there. <laughs> Other well, she, way.
0: Well, well she's going to keep a close eye on Baloo right here. But uh, no, that's that's uh, Kara right here, North Texas Kara. Kara is also also herself a little, little daredevil like the dog. She likes to do a little turn and burn action.
1: Oh ah, barrel racing. Can chaser.
0: Oh, yeah. Turn and burn action. So that, that's a great story. Uh, that, that dog, you know, I don't worry about that because I have a dog. I have a dog door at the house. We got a little dog door on the patio door, and uh, I don't worry about the dog bringing in a sprinkler because I don't. I don't do that. My f- biggest fear is the snakes. <laughs> I don't want a dang snake to crawl through that doggy door in the middle of the night. All I'm hoping is. All the dogs that are in the house, their nose better be tuned up. <laughs> when that snake sneaks through that sucker, they better be tuned up uh, and get after it. Because just like, you know, I've said it before, and I've, I've said it to the college kids when I, was, when I talked to the colleges, any animal at my house has a function. It does its job, it does its function, or it doesn't stay at the house. Whether it's a horse, whether it's a cow, whether it's a dog, they've all got their jobs and their duties. And the little rat dogs in the house' jobs are to let me know when stuff's going on. They let you know when people's coming to the house. They let you know when people's showing up. They let you know when an armadillo's in the backyard or you got a possum on the porch. They let you know. Well, if a snake comes in the house, they best let me know.
1: Yes, they better.
0: And they better wrestle that sucker back out that doggy door because I do not want to blow a hole in my floor. <laughs> That's the last thing I want
1: to do. Well, hey, my dogs have saved me a couple of times from copperheads and rattlesnakes, so I can't can't blame them there. They were they were having a fit. One time it was at night, and this copperhead was curled up under the hay trailer right on the tire. Couldn't see it. Yeah. And they're having a fit, so I grab a flashlight, then I see it. I have to run, now I get a gun, <laughs> and try not to hit the tire and hit the snake. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you don't you don't want to do that. That's that's it's always a sticky a sticky situation. Oh yeah. When you run to those dang varmints. but I will tell you this: I'm not gonna be able to do it tonight because I'm gonna. You know, we're, we're filming the show, so I'm not gonna be able to get to the gym tonight. But I do like to get to the gym from time to time, and and get my workout on because if you hadn't noticed, those of you that watch for a long time, you notice that uh, I let myself go, <laughs> <laughs> and I got. And it's because you
1: haven't been doing any naked yoga.
0: I, I don't know what that means. I guess you can tell me about that. So I, I let myself go. I dropped 40 pounds, which helped a lot. But, uh, you know, Planet Fitness, if you if you don't go to Planet Fitness, is the best place to go. It's they're a good. judgment-free zone. That's right. They've got them everywhere, they're all over the place. You can go in there and do what you want to do, work out what you want. Well, you four can't, whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. You can't do exactly what you want to what? do, especially in Massachusetts. Why not? Apparently, you cannot do naked yoga. In Massachusetts.
0: But it's judgment-free zone. What do you got?
1: Well, apparently in Massachusetts, a man was arrested at New Hampshire Planet Fitness after he did naked yoga on the public gym floor. (laughs) When police apprehended this 34-year-old Eric Stagno, he told them he thought the Plasto, New Hampshire Fitness Center was a judgment-free zone. What the hell is wrong with you all? Which references the franchise marketing slogan. (laughs) Officials say Stagno was naked when he used the gym's (laughs) yoga mats. Lovely. The story we got from witnesses was that the guy walked in, stripped down right there in front, left the clothes and belongings at the front desk, walked back and forth across the gym a couple of times, (laughs) and then settled in over the yoga mats. (laughs) <laughs> Play <Snow laughs> Police Captain, Brett Morgan, poor guy, told the New Hampshire <laughs> Union leader, Morgan was told that the gym goers who witnessed Stagno's routine said they felt disgusted, sick, <laughs> and unsafe. Stagno was released on $1,000 bail and will appear in court in September and will have a yard sign in his yard in October.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's getting a yard sign. He's getting an offender yard sign. I
1: Man, I... I've done some crazy things in my life. I've danced half naked on bars in Northside. Uh, time too sexy for my shirt. But never in my life would I dare to do naked yoga.
0: I didn't know there was I had no idea it was, there was such thing.
1: And I especially wouldn't do naked yoga with goats.
0: <laughs> and they do that. There's a there's a picture, There's a video I shared the other day. On, on one of our sites where they were doing naked or not naked yoga. They were doing yoga with a goat and the goat was standing up there and the goat was I don't know if he was like eating beaver juice. I don't know what he was doing. But I was like, "What <laughs> in the I was on Twitter." Yeah. Yeah, I was like, "Wow. That is not what's yeah. going on."
1: Yeah, just but, think what he'd be eating.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I was like, "Whoa. I just hope no, he didn't no.
1: have dingleberries."
0: Well, <laughs> I think the, I think the the post lady was like, "I hope he doesn't poop on me." I'm like, "Well, get the goat off of you and you want to worry about that. But right. I don't – you know, I, like I said, I go to the gym and uh,
1: – You go there to lift weights, work out, well, get I, healthy. I
0: go do my – I go do myself. stuff. I just – I just couldn't imagine walking in there and thinking, you know what, I'm just going to get naked, naked and start stretching. <laughs> I'm not – who who in their right mind thinks that? I, Obviously yeah.
1: stagno did.
0: I mean, yeah, it's a judgment. it's a judgment free zone. I get that.
1: Yeah, but stay clothed.
0: But is it but but is it really because you know everybody's looking at everybody in that place.
1: And I hope it wasn't cold cold because, you know you get shrinkage. Oh, well, if
0: it was cold he'd been in trouble. <laughs> well he, it was Massachusetts, so I It might have been. Is there snow on the ground? I don't know. Might have been snow in his nose. That's probably what happened.
1: That could have been. Wow. He was sucking up some white powder there and it wasn't on the slopes.
0: No, man. You know we talked. We were talking. We were talking about uh, going across the globe and across the country and doing stuff. Uh, you got a story over there how they did some stuff doggy style? What do you got?
1: Oh, over in Scotland. Yes. The golden retrievers were getting it on at Scotland. Uh-huh. A Scottish. <laughs> You can hear them barking. <laughs> they're excited.
0: They're, they're, they're there. What's going on with
1: that? Well, the Scottish organization gathered 361 golden retrievers in one place to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the breed. The Scottish Golden Retriever Club said 361 of the dogs attended the event at Gushan House in Tomic, and hmm. y- Y'all try to say that ten what, times. What he said. Uh, marking a new record for the club's gathering. We've gone from 188 Golden Retrievers at the 2006 gathering, 222 in 2016, to 361 today. We've beaten our record on the big anniversary, said Doreen McCoffin, chair of the Scottish Golden Retriever Club. Golden Retrievers were first bred in the 1800s by Dudley Majority Banks.
0: That was 200 years after the Irish Cowboys came to America.
1: Right. And his, AKA, he was known as Lord Tweedmouth.
0: <laughs> well, the tech I bet Tex knows that guy. <laughs> I bet he knows somebody with that name. I, th-
1: I think that's what Willie Nelson would be, Lord Tweedmouth, if he was <laughs> <laughs> queen by the British. When he bred of swimming long distance to retrieve kills from hunts. All right. Hmm. Tweed mouth. <laughs> and 361 yapping, barking dogs. People keep dumping at my place. I'll have close to that many. I'm at 30 now. I'd uh, like to thank all oh, you people who give me dogs. Yeah. You know how hard it is to find them homes. Anybody needing dogs? I've got several.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. Well, I go oh, the there and dump it out. Well, Somebody will take care of it.
1: They dump them. It's cheaper for me to feed them. Well, it used to be, then to be. <laughs> But we've got good breeds. I mean, I've got Australian Shepherds, Catahoulas, uh some curs and mutts, you name it, they dump it.
0: Don't make sense. But anyway. That's people. Speaking of dogs, let's go to Bulls. Tough Hitman's Hederman, helping out with a new film that's coming out. Uh there it's it's all it's all in it's all in the process. Everything's in the process right now. But anyway, we're gonna throw a little teaser out for you guys. Take a look at this and tell me if you would not want to watch it. We're trying to show that these cowboys are, are athletes today. That the uh, stock that they compete on are uh, more athletic across the board and as a rule. You know, it's it's just a different landscape. It's a different it's a different sport than it was. Uh, you know, 10 years ago. Going back to Tuff, a big part of the reason I got involved with this project is because it's an independent film. And the fact that we come from Texas roots, and where uh, we all these things, we just, we want to paint the, we want to paint a true picture.
2: One of the places that we had hoped to start trip around was uh, the Johnny Lee concert at the Coyote Country Store. Aside from that,
0: we went to several of the local arenas. We went to the, uh, a couple county, county arenas, went to the Western College Arena. It's part of our story. The location that's set in a windmill farm. And Mr. Miller's place uh, has a beautiful, beautiful area underneath the windmills. And Brad and I are, in our team are working very hard to create a film that inspires the next generation of, of rodeo competitors, specifically bull riding.
2: You know, we're really trying to capture, like he said, the heart of this community and uh, what it's about. We feel real strongly about the way the West Texas community embraced us, but also just the rodeo community as a whole. We're doing this independently, which is a big deal. We're trying to take a grassroots approach, which we feel is the way to go. You can check Facebook Instagram and then we'll also be launching our full website pretty
0: soon. Any kind of community support that people around going to give, we welcome with oh, arms. That's a tough draw. Tough draw right there. Always a tough draw.
1: Always. Tough was always tough to get on the ground by them bulls. He's a great guy, by the way.
0: But that's a good show. It I mean, is. It's, it's going to be a good show. It's, it's in the it's in the making of something good. Um, I know somebody made some comments on the book of face of the day. Not excited about some stuff, but you know this, this stuff right here is going to be good for you.
1: It'll be good. It'll be educational. It'll be fun. There'll be a I know in tough heat and – there's going to be some funny stuff going come through there.
0: Uh, the PBR the PPR's kicked off. Keep PBR, CBR, you got Cheyenne going mm-hmm. on. So there's a lot of stuff going on.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, big congratulations to a local stock contractor, J.C. Knapp, Knapp Rodeo Company there out of Mansfield in Texas. Uh, he's got some bulls up there, and uh, he's got uh, his bull teams in the finals. And uh, let's wish him good luck. Maybe he can bring that title back to Texas.
0: That'd be a good deal. That'd be good. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, I don't. I I didn't want to put too much out because a lot of stuff still going on up there and people mm-hmm. watching. A lot of folks are watching on ride pass, so I want to let them get caught up and see what's going on up in Cheyenne. But uh, Chase Outlaw had a that bull he got on was rank. rank. That sucker was getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had he had a few uh, <laughs> he had a few things I- broken here and there.
1: Hey, I've seen some (laughs) of the matchups up there, and there's some good bulls and great cowboys. The matchups are amazing. Plus, you got Cheyenne. It's the daddy of them all. You know, a lot of legends have won it there. I mean, it's a great, great event. CBR's got their world finals there, which is a great event. CBR is a great organization with a lot of great bull riders and talented stock contractors with amazing bulls.
0: And it's good stuff. It's, I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on. So, uh, with that, if you've been paying attention to, to the interwebnet, you can see some highlights from uh, shine up there with the PBR, uh, PBR, CBR stuff going on. Uh, Gage Gay made a great ride. Uh, Chase Outlaw got smacked. Man, he got smacked. Mm. I just, I Chase is a good kid too. I hate to see that happen happen to him, but you know, it's, but that's part of it. That's part of riding bulls.
1: That's bull riding. Yep, plain and simple. Sundays. You're eating steak dinners, other days you're eating dirt.
0: That's it. That's just the way it goes from time to time in the rodeo arena. Yeah. That's what happens, people. Uh, Mesquite Championship Rodeo, if you haven't been out there, get out there before August 25th. It's going to be over by then. So get out there and check it out. Mesquite Championship Rodeo, Mesquite, Texas. they got a lot of stuff going on. Look them up on the interwebnet. net. And see what events.
1: I believe it's Dollar Hot Dog this Saturday, isn't it?
0: Ah, uh, they have a lot of Dollar Hot Dog nights over there, so it, it's possible.
1: And you might accidentally find a free adult beverage every once in a while.
0: There may be. I know. I know. Uh, for a couple of a couple of uh, weeks there, they had. Uh, they, I don't know if it was a promotion going on or what they were doing, but they did have uh, some
1: free beers. Free,
0: yeah, free beer night. So you never you never know. Surprise! It's a surprise. Just go watch a rodeo and see
1: what happens. And it's air conditioned. So, on these 120 de- degree yeah. days we're having,
0: you go, you go sit in there and cool off.
1: And instead of your uh, ball sack having ball sweat, there you go. And ball sweat, go to Mesquite Rodeo, watch a great rodeo, enjoy it with your friends, family. My sister's uh, placed a couple of times in the uh, mutton busting. Bring your kids out, enter them up, and have a good time. Heck, your kids might be good enough to win a trophy and a dinner for you. At the barbecue joint there in Mesquite.
0: Yes. That'd be good. That's good stuff.
1: And they've got That barbecue place has got good food there. Always good
0: food. And with that, we've got to get out of here. We're on to the next one. As they always are, you got Richard Stevens right there. Second Chance Performance Horses on the Book of Faces. Go look it up.
1: And if y'all, I'm, I'm at 5,000 Friends. I've got a professional page. It's just Richard Stevens. Like it. And you can follow everything I'm doing from stupid human tricks to uh, serious stuff.
0: There you go. Swatting flies, telling lies, all right there. And <laughs> Richard Stevens on the Book of Faces. Check it out and see what's going on. Everything else going on with us and with the show, you got PepperStewart.com. Look around, see what is going down in a town near you. Oh, and
1: don't forget. If you need a good cowboy hat,
0: Master Hatters. They can fix you up trying to figure it out. Uh, Go to perpetuate.com. While you're there, look around, check out the cattle reports, and uh, buy a t-shirt.